Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, none other than Ravana, Rebel HQ contributor, All Star. Always fascinating to have her analysis. Top story of the day. Well, it looks like members of Atlanta City Council are now against their own city council as it relates to Hop City. We've been on this. Since day one, we have provided the updates, the 911 emergency responders, the police who decided to talk about this on their open radio, indicating that yes, the protesters, peaceful activists are targeted. They need to just give up, one of the officers said. We also have Bernice King, the daughter of Dr. King on record. Telling the city, telling the mayor, allow the people to vote. Those who oppose Cop City, they went out, received the signatures, more than double of what they needed, turned it in. And all of a sudden, the city clerk says, "Oh, wait a minute, there's legal limbo here. I can't count them. But in a unanimous decision, the Atlanta City Council voted to put all of those signatures online that will help with the public narrative, public relations of this. Also, two council members, let's put up Councilwoman Keisha Waits. Now I know Keisha Waits and I know the other council member as well. I will get to her in just a moment. I'm Keisha Waits, longtime public servant, longtime servant period in the Atlanta metropolitan area. Well, her and Councilwoman Bakhtari Bakhtiara says, hey, let people vote, put a picture up for a mask. It's time for people to vote, all right? Okay, two Atlanta City Council members are drafting legislation that would put plans to build the Atlanta Public Safety Training Center, Dub Cop City, up for a ballot referendum. That's in November. The efforts come in the aftermath of the city attorney announcing on Monday that officials would not begin to verify the 116,000 signatures collected by Cop City Vote, an activist coalition that's been making its own push to get the issue on the ballot. One of the two lawmakers, Post 3 at Large, Council Member Keisha Waits. And District 5 Representative Bak Tiadi will introduce legislation during next Monday's council meeting, according to Waits. Both council members voted against funding for the training center in the month of June. All right, let's put both of those 
council members up so that the public knows who they are. So we had Keisha Waits earlier, now we have the other. Uh, given the amount of money, 67 million, I think it is important that the public weigh in, Waits said. She added that while she supports a public safety training center, she believes people are feeling their voices are not being heard. Wade said she's concerned about a number of issues, including the way contracts were awarded to the private companies who are building the facility. Wade also has concerns about the investigation into the death of the 26 year old activist who was shot 57 times by Georgia State Patrol who are conducting a, were conducting a multi-jurisdictional raid in South River Forest where the training facility is to be built. At the end of the day, we are elected officials. And as such, we take our guidance from those that elected us, Councilwoman Waits said, emphasizing that she has received numerous calls, emails and texts from Atlantans who are concerned about the project. So let me say what has happened here. Because of the heavy handedness of state authority, because of the lack of advocacy from local officials, because of the extreme narrative against peaceful protesters who work for nonprofit organizations making pennies. Because of that, it caused individuals who were actually for Cop City to say, wait a minute, we already have a dead body under questionable circumstances. We have a whole lot of money going out, it's actually more expensive than we initially assumed and were told. Now we have the very basic fundamental principle of democracy being destroyed. You see, principle when violated does not care who it violates. And because of that extreme action from state officials, the extreme charges under the RICO Act against nonprofit members, it has caused a different energy in the city of Atlanta. I literally have spoken with individuals who are for Cop City, they are now against it. Individuals who are on the fence, neutral, they are pretty much universally against it. And obviously those who always opposed it, oppose it even stronger today. There's more, if the council were to pass the planned legislation, the issue could be on the ballot this November. If the city instead prioritizes verifying the cop city vote petition signatures, the vote likely will not be held until March 2024. When cop city vote activists went to city hall to turn in the petition forms Monday morning, they were expecting the verification process to begin that day. However, a legal memo from the city released after the signatures were turned in Monday said officials could not begin verifying petition signatures until the 11th Circuit Court decides whether to uphold a lower court ruling allowing DeKalb County residents to collect signatures and extending the 60 day deadline. Legal counsel Kurt Hastorf well, the coalition disagreed with the city's interpretation and called the decision another delaying tactic. I agree with the attorney because in the ruling or the ambiguity of the ruling, it does not specifically say you are not able to count 
the signatures you currently have. The reason why DeKalb County becomes an issue here is because the actual location of Cop City touches into DeKalb County, even though it is annexed city of Atlanta. DeKalb County and Fulton County are next to each other. Atlanta is in Fulton County, but Atlanta has annexed parts of DeKalb. Meaning for the purpose of the building, individuals who are in DeKalb County, who are in that area of annexed Atlanta should be able to have their signatures on the petition. Very simple, very easy to understand and likely very winnable for the protesters. There's more, the city of Atlanta's interpretation of law has consistently put us in an impossible position where no matter what decision we make, they're going to assert that the decision is invalid and that the entire process does not need to occur. The lawyer said, Mayor Hooks, tactical lead organizer for top city vote expressed frustration after the city's announcement, but said it would not stop her coalition's push to get the controversial training center on the ballot. We're doing everything that we can do, that we can to exhaust democracy, to use what we can at our disposal, everything within our right to do so. The referendum being one of them, Hook said, and if we cannot find justice in the courts, in the system, then we're going to take it to the streets on Tuesday. Fair Fight, the Georgia-based voting rights organization founded by Stacey Abrams, criticized the city of Atlanta for following the same tired anti-voter playbook that has been wielded against voters, voters of color for generations and called for city officials to put the issue to a vote. Full transparency, I've mentioned this before, the mayor of Atlanta appointed me to the basically oversight committee for Cop City. It came with absolutely no promises, no strings attached. After the first meeting, first of all, the first meeting I refused to participate because it wasn't open to the public, so I didn't go. And I said I wouldn't go to any meeting that's not open to the public. Well, the second meeting and every meeting since has been open to the public. After the second meeting, I heard what they had to say. I heard how they tried to categorize everyone into a very basic fixed position and all due respect to the city. And that process, they can kiss my ass. There was no way I was going to that third meeting. And to this day, I still receive emails saying another meeting is coming up and that's fine. President of the NAACP was on that committee. I don't think he's participating anymore. Those who have advocated for the residents of East Atlanta, for East Atlanta, for mama them, knew exactly what our goal was. Our goal was to make sure their voices were heard. My advocacy was very clear, will remain very clear. And I actually like the mayor, he's wrong here. I like the guy, he's a good individual, decent, politically wrong in this case. And dear brother, while I love you, I love the community a little more. And my decision to oppose Pop City, the development and everything else is rooted in one thing. The fact that you did not get permission from the community that you're building it in. If mama them told you yes, you should have a yes. If they told you no or wait, that's your answer. And now the public has turned on this movement. The heavy handedness once again created the atmosphere that you currently see. Um, I wanna say a big thank you to the other organizations who are now saying the right thing. Even Senator Raphael Warnock has gone on record 
to say the city must be more transparent about this process. Who do you have now? You have Dr. King's daughter, Bernice King. You got Stacey Abrams organization. You have Senator Wardenocker, you have me, and you got multiple members of council now. What are you going to do? You think this development is going to happen with virtually every major left-leaning player against it and the community? Come on, man. Come on. All right, this is the thoughts here. Yeah, well, first I just want to say, you know, indisputable yourself, Dr. Ritchie, and the whole team has done an excellent job keeping eyes on the story when it's been so unfairly covered in media. I would say yeah. broadly, the coverage it did get was following the uh, the murder of the protester, and most of that coverage was just regurgitating the police. Talking points from the their initial report, which we now know was a massive misrepresentation of what actually happened, and I think that you're you make an excellent point in highlighting the shift of public opinion on this issue, where people who didn't necessarily hold a position on Cop City now have been turned off by it, by the just complete missing the mark on messaging. On the on the police's side, on the supporters that it does have in the government, there, you know, and this is you know, an organ. These are organizations that you think would do better in their messaging. I mean, yep. it's it's for the better, in my opinion, as someone who opposes Cobb City, that they have you know misstepped this at every point. And I just want to highlight that that memo that was sent out wasn't sent out until after the signatures were collected yes. and handed over. And I think that that goes so far to show what they're willing to do to stop democracy from happening. That they are scared now of what the people who actually live there have to say and what they will say if they get the chance to vote on this issue. And they're gonna do everything they can to prevent it from happening. And the reasoning behind it, I think you did a good job highlighting it's weak, a very weak reasoning as to why those signatures shouldn't be collected. And the people there deserve to have their voices heard. That's right, well said. And at the end of the day, the city could bypass all of this, simply vote to put it on the ballot, legal case notwithstanding. They could do that too. A band director gets tased, gets arrested because the band kept playing music. Obviously, we're talking about Alabama. Let's go to it, here it is. A band director was tased and arrested following a high school football game in Alabama. According to a statement by the Birmingham Police Department, PD Jackson O'Lynn High School band director Johnny Mims disregarded police requests to stop his band's performance after the other team won. Officers started clearing out the stadium after the game and noticed both schools' bands still performing. According to police, the home team band stopped when asked, but Mims instructed his band to continue performing. Officers attempted to take the band director into custody for disorderly conduct when a physical altercation ensued between MIMS, school personnel, and police. The arresting officer then subdued the band director with a taser, which ended the physical confrontation, according to police. MIMS was treated at the scene and transported to a hospital. After his release, officers transported him to jail where he was booked and later bonded out. MIMS attorney told CNN the incident was an alarming abuse of power and a clear violation of our client's civil rights. CNN has reached out to the Jefferson County School District directly for comment. 
put up the picture full mass. I want you to consider the insanity of what you just heard and witnessed. This individual is a noted member of his community, a band director who gives back to children as a profession. He doesn't get paid a lot of money to do so. He does it because he loves his job. He loves to mentor and he's been doing this for a while. He's well respected, well regarded. They are at a stadium where music is played, zoned specifically so that you can have loud exhibition right there. It's meant for it, zoned for it. Police come, both bands are playing. They tell them to stop, first of all, why? Are you enforcing a legal statute? Are you being extreme in your authority? The band director tells his team, continue playing. And because of that, they decide to arrest the band director. Now come to me, in a very technical sense, I want you to follow the law here. In a very technical sense, this means that the children who continue to play were also breaking the law. Why were they not arrested? Hmm. Because none of these charges are going to stick. What they're going to get him on is obstruction of justice, resisting arrest. When there's no reason, no underlying reason for an arrest in the first place. How, how ridiculous is this? All right, we're gonna bring you more about the story. The story is still developing. Rayvon, I gotta ask you to put on your legal cap here. What the hell did we just witness? Oh, what we witnessed was massive police overstepping their authority and feeling aggrieved when they aren't immediately listened to. And that, because that is what their argument essentially is, right? They weren't enforcing a law. They weren't enforcing any, any sort of, you know, there was no basis for them making this, you know, giving him this direction to stop playing. Essentially, they were just saying people were lingering in the stadium and we think it's because the band is playing. So we're just asking you to stop. He didn't have, there was no legal basis to ask him to stop. And when he didn't, they they felt disrespected. And that is apparently in their eyes, the worst thing you can do to a cop is disrespect them. And that's why the charges we're seeing are, you know, <laughs> Are the you know non-compliance charges that they will just try to stick someone with when they were in the wrong initially? And I've seen some of the arguments in favor of the cops, which I think are a little bit absurd. That are that are primarily, well, why didn't he just tell them to stop playing? Because he didn't have to. Because there was right. no reason for him to tell them to stop playing. And if you you know read the reporting on it, you'll see that they finished out the song they were playing and then. They did stop. They didn't arrest the director until the band was done playing. That's right. So he had, in essence, complied anyway with what they asked him to do. He finished out the song, they wrapped up, and then they tased him. They tased him in front of those children, scarring them, traumatizing them, and him. 
and sticking these bogus charges on him and I hope that they're all dropped. I hope that the media attention on this, you know, is enough for there to be. I know they're they're investigating it, but it should be a quick investigation. We know the facts. We have the right. video. They were in the wrong, and that's and that's that. Yeah, and I hope they're sued and he gets a bunch of money for his trouble. All right, we will bring you the update as it comes. We have a possible major situation in LA. Um, let's put up the first picture full mass. Black women in downtown LA found dead within a week. I couldn't recognize her a family model of a model found dead in downtown Los Angeles says she was discovered with a leg up in gruesome scene days after telling friends that she was going on a date. Two cases in one week, downtown LA models Nicole Coates and Melissa Mooney were found dead in their apartments less than a mile apart from each other, okay? The deaths of these two models whose bodies were found in their respective downtown apartments within days are unrelated according to the official report. And only one is being investigated as a homicide according to the official report. And let me tell you why I'm highlighting this. Because we had a similar story on Indisputable where we started to put dots together. We said, listen, we're not the police, but it looks like there's something more than what the police are saying. It looks to be a serial killer. Well, guess what? About a month later, it was revealed. They actually did have a serial killer. We were right, the police were wrong. So I'm not going to measure this moment and say, well, it's just no way possible because of a police report. Let's put up this picture for mass Lisa Mooney. It's very sad. Sister of a pop star, Jordan Pauline, was found dead on September 12th. Shortly before 4 p.m., officers responding to a call for a welfare check. She also worked as a realtor. The police have not disclosed any information regarding Mooney's potential injuries, and the cause of death remains undisclosed. Undisclosed. Um, the second model, Nicole Coach 32, let's put up a picture, was found dead. Two days earlier inside of her apartment about a mile from where Mooney 31 was killed. The death of Melissa Mooney 31 on September 12th is being investigated as a murder according to the LA Police Department. The death of a second model 32 year old Nicole Coates on September 10th is not being investigated as a homicide according to the LAPD and the LA County Department of Medical Examiner Coroner. The decision has angered Coates relatives. Who says she appeared to have died violently? Quote, I believe it was murder. I really do, Coach Aunt May Stevens told KTLA. One of her legs was up in the air in a kicking position. That's not somebody who was just laying in their bed and died. Coach's aunt and father went to her apartment, went to her apartment after she stopped responding to calls and text messages. She was last heard by friends when she informed them that she was going on a date on September 8th. 
Coach's aunt and father went to her apartment after she stopped responding to those calls and texts. She was last heard from by her friends from that date, going on that date. Police said deaths are not linked despite apparent similarities between the women, including their ages, including their professions, and including their addresses. The LAPD said Mooney's cause of death remains unknown, pending a post-mortem examination. The department said in its release that is seeking assistance from the public in identifying the person or people responsible for her death. Nicole's family set up a GoFundMe to pay for funeral arrangements. Let's put it up for a mask. We want to help in any way that we can. There is the GoFundMe funeral arrangements for our beloved Nikki, all right? Um, prayers and positive thoughts for the entire family. Um, you know, this is one of those big question marks. And the police, they have not provided any information to clear the question mark up. So if anything, if nothing else, if we get clarity as to why they're saying, oh, totally unrelated, same profession, same this, same that, close to each other, similar age, unrelated, tell us why. Tell the family why, damn us, tell the family why. Because the family is asking questions and they have a belief that is strong that something is not right here. Who could blame them? Ravana, thoughts? Well, the first thought that came to my mind was that I know that in the limited training that police do receive, one of the things that they're taught is to not try to make connections between crimes because statistically it's unlikely. Even if we see patterns, even if we see crimes occurring as closely together as these two did. I mean, these women shared a profession, they were both black women, they're both models around the same age. The connections are there. You know, they both died in their homes, you know, in apparently violent fashions. And that training that those police officers receive is why every time we see documentaries or, you know, excellent reporting about police investigations into serial killers, we see that the serial killers were able to get away with it for a lot longer than they ever should have been because the police refused to make those connections. The first one that comes to mind is the Night Stalker in California. The mm. one detective who saw that connection was, you know, shunned from the police department for months while he was making that connection until finally someone believed him and it still was months and there was murder after murder until they finally were able to catch him. So I think that it's important to call out the police if, if they have actual evidence to suggest that these are not related. Like you said, tell the families because you know that is a those are grieving family members who do see this connection. And you know, they might have some better insight into the life that their loved one led yep. than the police who just see her as another statistic do. Well said, we will follow up on the story. All right, welcome back, a lot of show left, thank you for remaining. Um, do not forget, all right, it's official, justice is coming, it's here. All right, available now, get the book that's described as an optimistic prophecy. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how some of you take some of Jenks, you know. I've actually read the book. I love it, it's, a, it's an amazing book, very thought provoking. 
but also very nuanced. So just keep in mind, Jenkins is going to say things, grab your attention, and then you have to read the rest of the story. All right, one of those kind of things. Uh, but man, it's an amazing and uh, extremely well written book. All right, so it was well worth the wait. You can go directly to tyt.com slash justice, tyt.com slash justice in order to get your copy. And I encourage you to do so. Everybody should have one. Okay. We got a lot of comments. I am Sock says, I think that if you give any police group post scrutiny and continued observation, the police would turn on them. Sounds about right, doesn't it? Very sad. Grown folks sitting, thank you for that. Uh, thank you for caring and sharing, absolutely. Um, Dro Mario, when it comes to Cop City, they're going, uh, they're going with the electoral vote, not the popular vote. That, that's exactly what they're doing, electoral college vote. Um, dystopian dragon, sound like a serial killer. Yeah. Uh, King Jasper, that's insane, clearly they are connected. Uh, anomaly me. Good afternoon, all. I pray that everyone's having a fantastic day thus far. More importantly, I pray for a caring double dose. But guess what? You must have a direct line to the Lord Almighty because that's exactly what you're going to get. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. You need to leave. <laughs> you need to leave. <laughs> you need to leave. You need to leave. You need Let's put up the picture for a mass. While this fell is obviously already in a sticky situation, he decides to break his car even more. In the meantime, I just saved a bunch of money by switching. <laughs> okay, um, sir, no, your insurance company will never figure this out. All right, what damage was self-inflicted? What damage came from the other vehicle? Uh, you might as well, whoever you're on the phone with, sir, it's not going to work. Um, you know, many times people try to find out, they say, okay, what was the goal here? All right. And Rayvonna, that's what you said before the program. You wanted to know why was he hitting his own vehicle after being in an accident? And it looks as if he actually. Damaged his vehicle more with his hands than it was already damaged by the accident. Well, number one, they really don't have a goal that they can reverse engineer successfully, right? They can't say, well, this was my intended goal. But number two, let me tell you what was really happening. The individuals who were recording, he wanted to hit them. But because his mama taught him a little bit of sense. He knew better than to hit them, and so he decided to hit an object that could not hit him back. So that's what that was about, Rayvon. All right. 
Well, I am glad he didn't hit the people recording, although they were messing with him a little bit. They didn't deserve to be hit. It right. was at least entertaining for all of us. You know, I'll say that the insurance adjuster is is not going to. I'm sorry. The damage that was even yeah. caused by the accident, like they're not going to cover that now because they're not no. going to be able to differentiate what was and what wasn't. So it's it's just all going to come out of his pocket. And we all have terrible days, right? Yeah. We all, even if it's our fault, even if we get in an accident and it's our fault, and it we, we can be upset at ourselves, that's fine. But just take a deep breath. It's not that serious. Life goes on. Don't make the problem right. worse for yourself. That's right. There you go. I mean, you literally made. A small problem bigger by yourself. That's unfortunate. All right. Okay. Um, double dose. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. My parents are born here. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. You're a n. You're on camera. I don't give a. What am I? Apparently not. Yeah. Dude. Get away from me. Okay. 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 Wow, sir. Put up his picture. Is it that serious? Okay, so the man in the video has actually been identified by a Colorado TikToker. He's been identified as Shane Green of Denver. His identity was noted from an earlier instance last year where Green allegedly attacked over stolen bike and interviewed by the local news. Take a look. Hello, Shane Green of Denver, Colorado. It seems like some people had stolen his bike. And so he went to get it back by paying for it. And the people who had stolen his bike attack him with a bike chain and punch his wife in the back of the head where she did get stitches. And then the police came, took the bike away from Shane and gave it back to his robber because Shane didn't have a way to prove it driving by i just seen it chained up outside of a house and it's been missing for a number of days he stopped to talk to a person who appeared to live in the home at dakota in pennsylvania in wash park a conversation that quickly took a turn for the worse and i did not accuse him no i said i understand i have to take your word for that and uh, what i'd like to do is whatever you paid for this bike whoever had sold it to you or whatnot i'll give you that back he instantly said it was ten dollars but then green says the suspect went inside the house and came out with a bat. Then picked up the five foot tow chain that he had the bike uh, tied up or chained up with. And he began swinging that aggressively. The people who live next to him are yelling at him at the same time saying, you're not in trouble yet. Don't do anything to get yourself in jail. Green picked up the bike for cover. So I picked the bike up to defend myself from the second swing he's gonna make. As I have the bike up full length like this, 
He swings the chains. Then, Green says another man hit his wife in the head. She wanted to keep her identity to herself, but did show us the five staples she got in the back of her head last night. Denver police say they are investigating the matter, but have made no arrests. Adding insult to injury, police gave Green's bike back to the theft suspect because Green didn't have documentation or a serial number to prove it's his. I asked where it was going, and I was shocked to hear that it was going back to the person who stole the bike. Nah, Shane, that one you deserve. Your behavior at that gas station was nowhere near normal. You are an unhinged menace to society, and now I'm starting to doubt that stolen bike story. Wait, computer, enhance the image. <laughs> you stolen bike. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was trying to prepare myself for that ever since production. That was, now damn it, that was uncalled for. All right, Rayvon, thoughts here. There are, there's a 0% chance that his recounting of events <laughs> over the stolen bike is accurate. Not for one second do I believe that based on his behavior at the gas station. First, there's something, I mean, of course he's being racist, he's saying slurs, but there's something so insidious about you know telling a black person who your ancestors enslaved and brought here to go back to where they're from and refusing to believe that they could have been born here or their parents could have been born here and then, he could be charged with you know attempted assault with a deadly weapon he drove yeah. his car you know at a you know a pretty high speed considering the distance between him and the woman directly at her while she was recording him not just at her car but at her where she was standing so i have there's obviously no no way that anything that preceded this could justify his behavior and I just am not buying one minute that I think what probably actually happened was he saw a bike that looked like the one he had. That maybe it got stolen, maybe it didn't. And then verbally assaulted the man who had that bike the same way he was verbally assaulting people at the gas station. That's pure speculation. But this is not a calm and rational individual. Right. And I got to say, based on the circumstantial evidence that we have, right, he used slurs in a public uh, place, he took his vehicle, threatened to hit somebody with it, and almost did. And then he wants us to believe that somebody stole from him. And all he did was knock on the door and and plead the blood of Jesus. Can, you, can, can we please have a conversation about the stolen bicycle? No, hell no. All right, we got more. On the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. Lauren Boebert, the congresswoman, says she had to break up with a boyfriend because of party affiliation. She did not know about this. Well, you know, the fondling, the um, activity around children at a family event. They got her kicked out of the facility. Uh, she's not talking about that. She's talking about the fact that she committed the high crime, the ultimate sin of dating a Democrat. If you didn't think these folks are in a cult, you have to understand how extreme that is, okay? Dating a Democrat, obviously she knew he wasn't a Republican. And obviously he's not a Democrat. 
what Democrat would the anyway. Let's go to the video. From I know it's you know been a rough week. Or has it been? Uh, you know it's um, it's always hard whenever um, there's gravity put on the voters. I'm here to provide levity and lift burdens off of people. So anytime that they're carrying mine, it's something that you know kind of feel deep inside. But ultimately, all future date nights have been canceled, and um, I learned to check party affiliations uh, before you go on a date. Uh, but all in all, um, you know it was. Uh, it was mostly a lovely time, and you know I've taken responsibility for my actions. Um, would love to know how the the musical ended. It was a lovely time, <laughs> mostly a lovely time. Let's go to the screenshot because according to the evidence we have, you had a damn good time, Congresswoman. Okay, all right. Don't minimize him like that because he's a Democrat. Looks like. You needed a Democrat in your life. You all were actually having fun. Now, being inappropriate, yes, but having fun nonetheless. Um, okay, uh, let's put a picture up full mass again. Uh, so I just got to go through this. Uh, poor Quinn Gallagher. You know, Quinn, and that's the guy she was dating. He wasn't supposed to be here. He wasn't supposed to be in the news. But sir, I don't feel bad for you because you decided to date Lauren Boebert, okay? That's on you. So the man on the date, he, he actually owns a gay friendly bar uh, that hosts drag shows as well. Um, something that's not an issue, uh, but obviously Boebert would say that he is the vile of society. That she was having a good damn time with. In January, the Hoochcraft Cocktail Bar in Aspen, which is co-owned by Quinn Gallagher, staged a winter wonderful, wonderful, wonderful land, excuse me, burlesque and drag show. An invitation for the event reveals in January 2020, Aspen Gay Ski Week hosted an event of cocktails, appetizers, and labs at Hooch. All right. Asked about her comment on checking the political affiliation for future dates. Once again, she replied, well, TMZ, I'm pretty sure you told the world I went on a date with a Democrat. Uh, yeah. Now, she says, you know, she indicates that she broke it off. I, I highly doubt that. Highly doubt it. That's just me, my opinion. Um, but I'm probably right. All right, Ravana, the twists and turns um, of this madness, right? Uh, you know, the, the inappropriate behavior around children, uh, the hypocrisy of her dating life, as if she didn't know that he was more so on the progressive side than she was. Like, I had no idea. Really? Not one conversation came up about politics, and you're a damn congresswoman, and you're one of the extreme occultist ones? Come on now. Right. All right. <laughs> I'll just say every step of this story, every twist and turn has made it infinitely funnier. At first, we were all told that she was kicked out for vaping and taking flash photography during the show. Things that we have video evidence of now, she tried to blame the vaping on <laughs> smoke coming off out of the stage from the right. play. We can see her clearly hitting her vape. And then we find out that they were getting handsy and when in 
you know, a crowded theater with children present. And then she calls the paparazzi to meet her at that location. She gets all dolled up to go out there and talk about gravity and levity. Two words I don't think Lauren Boebert has ever used in a sentence before that day. <laughs> and and she tries to insinuate that that he she was set up somehow. Oh, that the worst aspect of the story was that the man she was she was having a good time with was a Democrat. When no, obviously the worst you know part of the story is that you were feeling him up <laughs> in a crowded theater where children were present. Does she address that? Absolutely not. No. All right. I'm sure there's going to be another update. <laughs> I will probably bring it to you. A very sad situation, a Mississippi mother desperately searching for her daughter. Let's put the picture of full mass. This has a lot of background, bear with me in telling this story. The mother is raising questions about the circumstances of her 21 year old daughter, Tamia Taylor, her disappearance, speculating that the friends that she was with may be hiding something. The friends tell a story where Taylor simply disappeared after leaving for the restroom. But an investigation and witnesses called their story into question. I think that she went out with a group of people that maybe she thought were her friends because Tamia always saw the good in people, no matter what, to enjoy herself. And things took a turn for the worse, Deborah Taylor said in an interview with WREG. They seemed to make it off the boat, and she did not. And no one has any answers. They don't know what happened. One friend who also worked with Taylor attempted to clear her name of some of the rumors being spread about her connection to the disappearance. Quote, it's a lot of rumors going around. There's a lot of people saying that me and two of my friends have drugged her, we killed her. There's too many rumors going around. Um, Quandera Jenkins told WMC that. Jenkins said Taylor met up with someone while they were in line. Them two started laughing and talking, so he gave her some money to buy her a drink so she could celebrate her birthday. Jenkins explained, Jenkins lost sight of her after she went to the bathroom and when she did not come back. All of her friends started looking for her. They called authorities at about 1.45 a.m. on September 10th. After the boat docked, I'll put up the picture for a mask. However, from Taylor's mother's perspective, the story is vague and contradictory at best. I'm going to explain. Her daughter sent a text message at about 9.30 PM on September 9th, telling her that she arrived in Memphis. The boat left the dock at 11.30 PM at some point. Taylor's coworker told Deborah that her daughter had not gotten on the riverboat, but that was not true. At 11.39 PM, according to Deborah, Taylor texted her to let her know that she indeed was on the midnight booze cruise hosted by Memphis Riverboats. Her cousin called and said he went down to meet her. And when he arrived, he was told that Tamia, Tamia, excuse me, was unable to be found. Deborah reported Taylor missing at about 5 AM on Sunday. An investigation into the case discovered that Taylor did in fact get on the boat, okay? The company that operates Midnight Booze Cruise, a 
a two hour cruise, says evidence contradicts the theory that she went overboard. We can confirm from video footage circling around that she was last seen on the boat as the boat was pulling into the harbor where we dock our boats. The company wrote on Facebook, we have no reason to believe she could have gone overboard and we will be respecting MPD as they conduct their investigation. Let's put it up. We have a screenshot from Fox 13 News. In a video found by the family, the mother of two is seen photographed on the deck of the boat. She was also seen by witness Jay Mon, who claims in an interview, he saw her extremely intoxicated and leaving the dock boat, being a golf cart taxi driver. He offered Taylor and three friends. He says, well, with her ride. The friends initially, initially claimed she never got off the boat. So you can understand the mother's um, criticism and, senti- and, and sentiment here of the story. It doesn't add up. Stories should align here. These are very simple questions that should render a simple response. Was she on the boat or not? Did she dock or did she not? Did she get off the boat or not? Not complex at all. There's more. Um, she was intoxicated, very intoxicated, okay? And she was with some other people, he said. The group, Taylor, two women and a man, all seemed happy and nothing appeared out of the ordinary, he said. They asked for a ride, but he could not accept because he was already driving someone, he said. He returned later to the riverboats where he saw them again on Riverside Drive. But this time, they turned down his offer, he said. Um, she's still missing out of Memphis, Tennessee, and is described as 5'7, was, was last seen wearing a beige shirt, white shorts, a black jacket, and white shoes. If anyone knows anything, you are encouraged to contact the local authorities immediately. Okay, uh, Ravana, obviously a developing story. That's all the information we have. Uh, the twists and turns. Of, of seemingly very simple questions turning into complex answers. The mother, her instinct was correct from, from go, her instinct was right. What say you? Yeah, I mean, the mother definitely, I mean, she was able to ascertain that these people were lying to her and they were. I mean, every step of the way they've lied to her. And they seem exceptionally more interested in clearing their names, as they put it, than they are in actually finding their friend who is missing, which leads me to believe that they know some information as to whether or not they'll be able to find her. And it's deeply. It's deeply saddening to see this mother have to be the primary advocate in this case when the police should be doing this work. And and the friend should have been, protect. if she was that intoxicated, the friend should have been protecting her. If they wanted to allow her to, you know, drink a lot so she could celebrate her birthday, then someone there should have stayed sober right. and taken care of her. And they're not even leading the defense saying, well, I was also really drunk. I don't really remember what happened. They have been claiming that they remember everything that happened, claiming she didn't get on the boat, then claiming she didn't get off the boat. We know that she was there, we know she got off the boat, and we know that she was with them. So somebody in that group knows what happened, and they are harming this mother deeply by not telling her what's really going on. Yeah, a lot of twists, a lot of turns, a lot of unanswered questions. We're gonna stay on top of this. All right, we got more on the other side, it's indisputable stick and stay.
gonna sit you in the car right now, okay? Can you please tell me why, sir? That's it. Sit down. That's the only question I've asked you, sir. Sit down. Let me tell you. That's the only thing I've asked you. Is that was that wrong of me to do though, so I can know? Is that wrong task? Why though, so I can know? Reason I'm here, because you have been identified as someone who left the SRC without paying. Oh, okay. Yeah, think, I, can, I can explain that right now. Do you think that's any reason for this to be happening over that? No, that's why I'm confused as okay. fuck. What, what I pulled off is because my friend in the front seat, if there's cameras up there, y'all can go watch the cameras. Do you understand the theft of service? And I had the money to pay. I literally had... So that's not the story. We were told that you don't have, you didn't have any money to pay. They offered you a burst, right? Oh, is there a camera? Is there a camera, sir? I don't know. Sir, if there's a camera, then... I can only go by the information that I have. Okay, but... Okay. But take me out, But when I come over here... And try to talk to you. Yeah. And you're being confrontational. Doesn't want to listen Sir, to me. I, told I you didn't to be down. confrontational. I tried to back up because I was scared. What of the picture full mass? Hell of a story. You're going. You're going to see the extreme power grab of this cop. Indiana University police chief no longer with the department settles a lawsuit after black student was arrested over three dollars. A $3 parking fee. You heard the student say, I was scared. All right. Moses, Moses Berrio Jr. was arrested on September 7, 2022, after the parking attendants at Indiana University campus at the gym parking lot called the police after refusing his cash payment. Did you hear me? After refusing his cash payment, for a $3 parking fee after refusing his cash payment. Now, let me tell you why that part is important. You cannot be charged with theft of services if you had the intent to pay. It's a civil issue at that point. In order to be charged with theft of services, you must know from go, you're not going to pay a damn thing. The cop knows this, he knows the charge. That's why he all of a sudden did not know how to look at a video. There's more, put the picture back up. Um, so this young man, Moses, who was pursuing his master's degree in public health and administration and behavior at the time while working for sexual violence prevention and victim advocacy at the university, had just finished his workout at the university's gym. When he, he tried to pay the $3 parking fee with a $5 bill, he had a $5 bill, all right? The parking attendant told the graduate student he could only pay with a card attached um, to his account, which is like a student account uh, for an additional $10. The attendant then opened the gate after some miscommunication. Moses later noted that he drove home with the understanding that his account would be charged the fee, his student card, all right? However, the parking attendants called the police and IU police department officers, Austin Magnus and Charlotte Watts were dispatched to his home, to his house, to where he lived. After first obtaining his picture from the university staff, okay? I'm going to say something at this point only because of a story that we recently reported on where it was uncovered that an entire institution had engaged in intentional discrimination against black students to get black students off the campus by arresting them, 
by charging them, by giving them fines and penalties to get them to withdraw from the institution. The president basically admitted it. There was a settlement. They said, we are going to train our staff to do better. But it was an intentional effort according to the federal government after they concluded their investigation. This seems very similar to me. There's more. Moses was in the shower, okay? So they go to his house. Now they know they riding for three damn dollars, okay? They go to his home. He's in the shower when the officer's not. And he yelled that he was in the shower and he could not hear anything. The officers returned to their car, but later returned upon seeing Moses wearing no shirt and a pair of shorts outside and detained him. They did not immediately mention the parking dispute by the camera footage shows this. I'm working with you, all right? I'm working with you, excuse me, replied Moses. I can't get my identification. He said, as I mentioned, as I motioned toward his apartment, can you all tell me what this is about? Can you work with us first, replied Magnus. Now remember, he's not concluding that these cops then came all the way to his house for $3. You know why he hasn't concluded this? Because he's not a dumbass like the police officer. He thinks they are there for some real business. They just may have the wrong place, okay? He thinks they may be engaged in real police work. They just made a mistake here. There's more. Magnus later told Moses he was being arrested for not following direction, okay? Not following directions when he told the student to sit down. After being detained and put in the back of the squad car, Moses was told by the police, uh, while the police were there, I was scared, he said. Um, the criminal charges obviously were dropped. Uh, the chief is no longer with the department. Um, full mass. Jill's leave is no longer the police chief at Indiana University, Bloomington campus. Indiana University did not clarify why Leeds is no longer in charge. University simply said, Indiana University does not comment on personnel matters. Now keep a picture up. You know, there were a lot of cops involved in this, okay? Now I understand the buck stops with the chief. Naturally, this happened under the chief's leadership. Likely with the chief's absolute approval. But all of these cops should be fired. Hell, I think someone could make a case it was completely illegal what happened here. Not just unethical. All right, Ravana, hell of a story, $3. We know that at least one university is on record for doing this against black students to get black student enrollment to decrease. It seems very similar here. Absolutely, especially when you question why on earth the police were called in the first place. I right. cannot believe that the policy of the the staff working at the uh, at the parking garage for the uh, gym facilities at this university that it is the policy that they are instructed to call the police if there's a miscommunication. I, at at that point. 
First of all, it's $3. Why would you be calling the police anyway? Second, you have his student account information. They were able to identify him to the police, give them his name, show them a picture of him from his student account. Why couldn't you just charge the student account, which is what he believed they had done anyway, which is right. what they seemingly told him they were going to do. How on earth does that escalate to calling the police unless Unless you are trying to have black students arrested. I think that that is a completely rational conclusion to, to come to in this story. Uh, to arrest him for not complying with an order to sit down when you hadn't told him why you were there in the first place. And Dr. Ritchie, you're exactly right. You have to be a dumbass to think that the police are coming to get you over three damn dollars. As an issue which he thought was settled, he believed that he had paid it. And you know, and I think that that is important that you highlighted that he did not have a guilty state of mind. He didn't have the 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 necessary intention to you know not pay for those services to be arrested and to be charged with that crime. And of course, you know all, what we're seeing here every step of the way is a power trip on be on the police's behalf. And racism on behalf of the institution. If he was a white student and there was a miscommunication, I promise they would not have called the police. I know right. they would not have called the police over three dollars. Right. And and the the irony of the fact that students are paying for all of their salaries. Right. As a college professor, I tell my students, don't let anybody here take away your experience because without you, there is no institution. Okay. They are the lifeblood of all campuses. We have an indisputable exclusive. What have I told you that one black person was discriminated against racially profiled at two locations? Let's put up the picture full mass. This is going to be, well, one of those stories. Instagram influencer Cassandra Wilcox has hired nationally renowned civil rights attorney Harry Daniels after office. Uh, excuse me, Office Depot employees, Office Depot employees racially profiled her son, Anarion Wilcox, and falsely or falsely stealing printers from stores in Atlanta and Marietta, according to the press release. Also, the incident occurred on September 13th, 2023, when the son went to the Office Depot, this was in Atlanta, this is store number 434. Pick up a number of craft class printers, according to his mother. Due to her pregnancy and on doctor ordered bed rest, Ms. Wilcox asked her son, can you go pick up the purchase for me? And she had an upcoming class she was teaching. So naturally, the dutiful son did so. All right, let's put it up. Once he picked up and paid for the first set of printers at Office Depot store number 434, according to the press release, Wilcox then traveled to Office Depot store number 6437 in Marietta, Georgia. To purchase the rest. When he exited the store, however, he was approached by police officers who blocked his car, searched him, questioned him, 
about the printers. Well, there's your receipt, both of them, okay? It turns out that an employee at Office Depot store number 6437 had called 911 and told dispatch not only that Wilcox was stealing the printers, but that he had done the same at another location, another store earlier that day. Facing that accusation, Wilcox quickly complied with the officer's request, showed them the receipts he had from both stores, proving that he had purchased the printers instead of stealing them. Unsatisfied, the officers continued to harass the 21 year old, questioning, well, why do you need all of these printers? What kind of work does your mother do? Let's put her up again. A mother who's pregnant on bed rest, still working, okay, sends her young black son to do something very simple. Young man, can you go and pick up these these printers for me? It'll take a load off of me today. Can you do that for me? Son says, yes, yes, mom, I can do that. And then this happens to him. Cassandra Wilcox is a successful small businesswoman. She happens to also be a social media influencer. And until this incident, a loyal, loyal Office Depot customer. Having spent more than $5,000 on printers for her craft classes, craft sublimation classes. After complaining to Office Depot, denied profiling her son, denied calling the police, denied accusing him of theft, okay? That's according to the report. Now, Office Depot, okay? According to the mother, you all said, no, we didn't call 911. We did not accuse your son of stealing. I got the 911 call, go to it. So what's going on is I have a potential suspect in my store that's already hit one of our Office Depot locations and stole printers. Um, It would have been in another area, but he's already went to one store not far from here. And now he's in my store trying to do the same thing. I've been contacting the hell out of him. So I already know what he's going to do, but I contacted my loss prevention who told me to contact uh, the local police because they did have evidence of this person and at the other location. Okay, and what's the um, name of the business for me? Office Depot. Office Depot, I'm sorry, okay, Office Depot. All right, and I need to get this person's description, okay, starting with their race, what race are they? African-American, about six feet, 25-ish, short locks. He has on a hoodie, I mean. All right, are you or anyone else in danger right now? Uh, No. Okay. All right, and what property did they take? From what I know, there was printers at another location. Okay, but my it. LP told me to call the police just to see if there was something that you all could do, or if not, then it is what it is. Okay. <laughs> all right, don't disturb anything at the scene. An officer will be dispatched as soon as possible. Office Depot, would you like to update your statement? So. Here's the thing, 
if that young man would have responded a particular way, he could be dead or seriously injured right now. The employee doesn't even say possible. We suspect. No, he did it and he did it at the other store. Send somebody now. He has the receipt. That means somebody checked him out. That means it's on your cameras that there was no theft ever. Put up the statement of civil rights attorney Harry Daniel. This wasn't some simple mistake or miscommunication, said Daniels. Office Depot knew he wasn't some kind of criminal. He paid for the printers himself. He had the receipts, all they saw was a young black man in a hoodie. The fact is that if Anarion has shown any frustration or irritation at all, if he'd raised his voice or insisted on his rights, this could have ended up ended very differently. Then Office Depot would have blood on their hands instead of printer ink. Here we are. So what was the criminal element here? Where did one assume he stole something? Is it just because he has an expensive item and he's a young African American male? That's it, but he paid for it. You still assume he stole two locations, police called. According to the mother, you deny telling her the reality of that 911 call. You know, this is um, just the beginning of this story. All right, Ravana, thoughts here. Well, first they tried to, you know, they they tried to frame this young black, uh, you know, man as a criminal because he is a young black man, and then they tried to deny the existence of evidence to his mother because she's a black woman, and they, you know, are coming from this place of assuming. Assuming that they're, you know, going to be able to to get out, get away with this, they're going to be able to get away with not providing them the evidence. So that they're going to get be able to get away with lying on what happened in in this story, as they have been from the very beginning. And I think what we're going to see now is that they're with more attention on the story. They're going to try to settle this very quickly because they're yeah. not going to want the negative pushback that they're going to rightfully be receiving. But it's important to highlight that this happened that and that. Office Depot is seemingly okay with this type of racial profiling in its stores. They were willing to lie about what happened. And I also want to highlight that the police were not, they, they said in that statement, the police were not satisfied with being shown the receipts. Then they wanted information. Well, what do you need with all these printers? It is none of their goddamn business. That's right. Not even a little bit. There is no justification they could provide for continuing to question him and demanding he tell them why he's buying those printers. He bought them lawfully, you know that he bought them lawfully. What he does with those printers is entirely his business and not the police's whatsoever. They were trying to insinuate he was doing some sort of criminal activity with the printers. They were trying to continue to criminalize this young black man and you know, Thankfully, it's not going to work in this case because there's a tension on it now because they have great representation. And I hope the Office Depot and the police are held accountable for what happened here. That's right, and we will bring you updates as they come. I guaranteed Office Depot is going to say something now.
You can take a gun, shoot somebody in the face. It's not hard. Sometimes it might even be fun if they're a godless commie. Now, what they're trying to do is sneak the COVID vaccine in your salads. I never had, I hate math. Somebody say amen. You go after and we have it recorded. So, uh, yeah. yeah. We pay rent in the this business. Yeah. She's the owner of the business. And she pays the rent and, every month. And you pay rent. rent. For I don't pay rent for anything. I work here. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yes. You two have no right to get aggressive with my girl. I'm not getting aggressive what with anybody. Calm do down. Do Calm down. Tone it down. Tone it down, ma'am. Okay. Yeah, yes, you did. did. You did. You I did. What the hell is going on? No, you said what the F. Okay. You did. You did. Yeah, see? Just like that. Just like that. Can I ask you a simple question? You don't have to ask us nothing. Go talk to your landlord. I did talk to my Yeah, and what happened? Today. Nothing was said to us, so. Okay, listen to me for a second. I don't have to listen to nothing you're saying. I want to know I don't have why to listen you can't use to anything. in your building. Because I want to use it here. Yeah, why? Why? Because we want to. But you don't pay rent here. So? This is not your building. It's not your bathroom. So? Talk to your manager so? about improving the bathroom I'm gonna in yours still use if it. you don't like it. I'm still going to use it. Well, okay. well okay. okay. Then we'll just we'll take it up it. with the landlord. Go for it. And Go for it. And we'll seek a reduction in our rent uh -huh. because we can't use our own freaking bathroom. First of all, I don't even because know who else is in those other in stalls. Right. Who else is in those stalls? I, I have no idea. people. They, they seem to be camped out and there's probably somebody from Okay. They're waiting at our reception and said, hey, hi. So they're in antagonizing. Oh, I did not do anything. Oh, I said hi. I was being pleasant. I was being pleasant. And I said hi. Tackle of Karen's, likely Karen on Karen crime here. Let's put up the picture for mass. Now, see, you see the Karen in the background? You see, there's levels to this, right? It's levels to this, all right? If you made it past those two carrots, <laughs> Ravada, <laughs> thoughts. I just like the looming Karen in the background. She ain't even said it. She's like, all right. <laughs> I'll say that she said, I'm going to seek a reduction in my rent because I'm not able to use my bathroom. Good so effing creative. luck. This is what I say. Good luck making that argument because for for what I can't imagine it was more than two minutes. Someone else was using the bathroom. You were denied access. Come on now, it didn't have to be like this. Yeah, I mean that was some extreme carinicity. <laughs> but I gotta give it to the one that was like, yeah, I'm gonna use it for a, a reduction in rent. That's that's some stuff I never would have thought of that. Creative, <laughs> insane, yes. But still creative. Uh, Ravana, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Absolutely. Well, everyone can follow me on Rebel HQ, where I post my videos every day on Facebook, on YouTube. You can check me out on Twitter at Ravana TTV. And thank you for having me on. Wonderful time as always. Always, always a pleasure. All right. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.